Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue this series, Love God, Love People, Repeat. Because really, that's what it's all about. If we could boil all of it down, if we can figure out how to love God with all we've got, and we can figure out how to love people, we, we, can, we can make this thing in life count. So I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12. If you don't have your Bible with you, you've got the app, go to North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store, and you can download that app. It's free, it's, it's great, and it's the best way to keep up with what we're talking about. So we got a couple things here at the top that I'm really, really excited about. Number one, we have two gentlemen in this room that just finished a couple years of their master's program in seminary and finished and graduated, both of them, this past week in Sellers Hickman, our college wave pastor. Y'all congratulate Sellers. Really, Hannah, congratulations. All right, thanks for getting Sellers through. We know how this works. And we have a blast from the past that walked in today, Mr. Nick Person. Where's Nick in the room? Nick graduated yesterday as well, and his wife, Laura, Congratulations, guys. We're so proud. Nick, You, thanks for letting Laura do that work for you. I'm really proud of you. And uh, you guys know that these two guys represent what's best about ministry and life. Nick serves a great church up outside Nashville, was at North Star many years uh, in college here and then serving a ministry here. And these two are the best of the best. I'm really proud of both of y'all. Really proud of you. Second thing is our community is incredibly blessed because I know in our last service, uh, we got to celebrate a few of these guys in baseball. I don't know if y'all know we like baseball right here. But anyway, so in, I don't know if y'all knew that. But in baseball, just in this little area right here, yesterday, Mount Perrin ended up moving on to the state championship. Coach Kyle Reese and Mount Perrin. Coach Kyle goes here uh, in the last service, going into the final four starting tomorrow. Coach Dennis Jordan from North Paulding. Coach Jeff Rowland from Pope. Coach Brack Barton, one of the assistants at Lasseter and David Eels and many of the assistants at Alatoona. They all moved on to the final four in baseball. Would y'all congratulate all those guys? It's pretty awesome, man. It's pretty cool to see guys that are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus and lead and uh, getting to see them getting blessed like they are. It's really awesome. So final thing that's really exciting, beginning next Sunday, no more registration on Sunday mornings. No more registration. Oh, yeah. So that's really, really good. Um, so it is mask. It's optional for volunteers and staff beginning next Sunday. And remember, we have, so for many of you that travel in summer, we have an 810. You know, some of y'all think 810 only come, comes once a day. It comes twice, all right? And so it comes in the morning and evenings. So we do have an 810. If you've got stuff you're doing in the summer, going to the lake, it's a great time to come. 810, 930, 11, they are all wide open beginning next Sunday. So we're really, really excited about that. Thank you for sticking in through this crazy Year. It's been a crazy year. There were some people that thought registration was the dumbest thing in the world and just didn't come because it was stupid. Then we had other people that thought we didn't do it. I mean, it's just been one of those years. Thank you for sticking in. Would y'all give each other a round of applause? Thanks for sticking in there through the craziness of this year. All right. Jesus having a conversation. He nails what you need to know. 
I, I remember being in school and when the professor or the teacher would lay out all the stuff and you're getting ready for the final, there was always one brave person in the class that would raise their hand and they would ask the question, so what exactly is gonna be on the exam, right? What out of all the stuff you've talked about do I really need to know? Jesus nails what we really need to know. In this conversation, a religious leader speaks up and he begins to ask the question, of all the things that we follow, all the commands that we have, which of these is the most important? Would y'all stand with me today as we read God's word together? <clears throat> Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate he realized that Jesus had answered well, so I think he asked a very sincere question. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. He goes back and he quotes the Shema the, out of Deuteronomy 6. Every good Jew knew this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. Because back then, remember, when they came out of captivity, when they were in Egypt, there were multiple gods. There was lots of little g gods. And he said, there's only one. And you must love him with, what's the next word? Help me out real quick. What's it say again? All. all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. What's it mean to give every part of you to him? Not a piece of you, not some of you, not picking and choosing what parts of you. What's it mean to give it all to him? That's what we're gonna talk about today. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you permission to open up the doors of our lives. God, if this is what it means to satisfy you with how we pursue you, God, shine a light on our path today. Teach us, challenge us, push us to be all that we were created to be. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. You guys can be seated. So I want you to write down two words as we kick off today, ready? And this, this sort of sets the stage. When Jesus said to follow him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, it really meant this, ready, whole being, that's what it meant, whole being. Not a piece of you, not a part of you, but all of you. Easier said than done. It's easy to go, yeah, yeah, I wanna follow the Lord until there's something that I don't agree with or something that I'm not comfortable with, and then I'm like, well, I wanna really renegotiate the contract, right? What he said was, I want you to follow me with everything you've got, with all of you. What does it look like to follow him with everything? So rather than just me giving you some ideas this morning, let's take a snapshot look back at some key stories in scripture, I think, that do it. So right there in your outline, the first one's Jesus and Simon Peter. So we know Simon Peter was the guy on the disciples team that was outspoken. He was the guy that would overpromise. He was the guy that would always open up his mouth. He was the guy that would always want to be counted on. He was he was high on his thoughts of what he could do and sometimes he was low on his follow through on what he could do. But he but nonetheless, 
That's who he was. We know that on the night before Jesus died on the cross, they gathered in the upper room and we know Judas left and Simon Peter, get this now, this is in front of Jesus and the other disciples. He looks at, he looks at his friends, the other 10, and said, even if all these guys deny you, I, I'll never, I'll never do it. I'm sure that made all the other guys happy. Not that they were surprised that he said it, but he just said, hey, all of them may walk away. I, Jesus, I just want you to know, you can count on me, baby. You, you, and you can take me to the bank. I'm good to go. And you remember Jesus said, Simon, before the rooster crows three times in the morning, you'll deny me three times. We know that later that night, remember Jesus, is, Simon Peter lops the guy's, ears off, guy's ear off, and then he finds himself by a fire, warming his hands by a fire. Jesus is on trial in the room. Now, paint the scenario, if any of the disciples are found, they could be convicted and tried with Jesus. So he's out warming his hands by the fire when a young maidservant said, oh, I think he's one of them. I think he's, he's one of his followers. And Jesus didn't deny him once. He didn't deny him twice. How many times did he deny him? Three. Three times. In fact, the last time he denied him, he, scripture says, he called down curses from heaven. He just lost his language, just, he began to go. And scripture says, it's really interesting, scripture says that Jesus saw him when he did it. It's one thing to let God down when nobody notices. It's a whole other thing to let God down when everybody notices. How many of y'all have you ever felt like you've done something in your life, you let God down before? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you just did, all right? And so just be honest, that's what it all, oh, it's, a, it's a healthy thing. So we all have a point. So I was talking about the baseball. Tomorrow, all these stadiums around here are gonna be packed with fans. A kid boots a ball in a Final Four game, very different than booting a ball in the first game of the season when it's 20 degrees and nobody's watching. Simon Peter booted it when all eyes were on him. I know he felt like a failure. I know he felt like God could never use him again. Pick up the story, John chapter 21. We know, this is really interesting, Simon Peter went back to fishing because that's what his daddy did. That was his family trade. Most scholars think he thought his run at being disciple was over because Jesus is dead and why would he ever want somebody like him? John 21, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. So Simon Peter's fishing. He sees Jesus on the shore. He jumps off the boat. He swims in and by this fire, they have this conversation. Simon, didn't call him Peter, Calls him his original name, Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? When Jesus asked him that question, he wasn't asking him, do you like me? He said, do you agape me? Which means, do you love me with all you got? Now, Simon Peter's response is really interesting. He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But the love he used was, this is what he said, you know I like you. This is truly that picture of, of somebody being out and you're finally saying, I love you. And the person's response was, well, I like you. That's not what you're looking for, all right? And so that's what Simon Peter said. Simon Peter said, I, 
I like you. I phileo you. Jesus would say, get this, do you 100% me? And Simon Peter said, well, I 60% you. Jesus asked, he says to him, feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you love me with all you got? Do you 100% me? Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. I 60% you. I don't think Simon Peter wanted to fail again. I don't think Simon Peter wanted to come up short again. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And then Jesus asked him the question that tipped it. This is the question that tipped the iceberg on Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? You know what Jesus asked him? Everybody look at me. Simon, do you even like me? Do you even like me? Do you even phileo me? Do you even 60% me? And Peter was hurt. Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I agape you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Loving God with all of me means there will be no command ignored. Would you write that down? No command ignored. Three times Simon Peter denied him. Three times Jesus restored him, right? That's what he did there. Here's what Jesus knew about Simon Peter's life. Simon Peter didn't know at that point. It was gonna cost him his life. So Simon Peter's journey forward wasn't easy. It was gonna cost him everything. And Jesus knew it. Look at me. You can't stay in when it's thick if there's only some of you in. It's gotta be all of you. Simon Peter, Jesus knew he wasn't ready till he had all of him. He had some of him. 60%, he didn't have all of it. And Simon Peter learned a great lesson that God, what God has for me is better than anything I could ever want for myself. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And it's a, I want you to write this little thought down, we'll move on. It's a, a want to, not a have to. It's like, I wanna do what God wants for me because it's best. See, it's easy to sit on the outside and go, I don't know, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick and choose. I'm in my 20s. I'm gonna pick and choose what I want. We'll never find God's best till we're 100% in. Does that make sense to everybody? It's not, not a piece of us, all of us. Well, the second snapshot is from the Old Testament. The second snapshot is Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. It's a great story. So this is funny. So my dad taught Sunday school back, I was probably a baby or, or a little guy, but he caught it. And my dad called him Nebuchadnezzar. All right, it's Nebuchadnezzar actually, but anyways, I always thought that was funny. So Nebuchadnezzar, you got this great king, Nebuchadnezzar, who's erected an idol to himself. So Daniel and all the, the young, up and coming, brilliant Jewish kids have been taken And now they're bound over and he erects this idol that you had to stop, bow down when you heard the horn blow and worship the idol. 
That was the whole story of what was going on. Well, it's hard not to stand out when the entire nation bows and you're standing. And when you stood, it would cost you your life. Can I tell you something even about Christianity? I think for most of our life, we've had it pretty easy. I do think there'll be a day coming where it won't be as easy to go to church. And you know what's gonna happen? The church is gonna grow because people will rise to the challenge. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were those three teenagers that the horn blew and they stood. Look at the story, Daniel. It's a great great story in Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Time out. That's awesome. Huge faith. But the next line is even more important. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18 is the 100% though. But even if he, what's the next word? We're still gonna serve him. We wanna make it clear to you. If he doesn't come through, he's still got us. See, when we're 60%, we need a contract with the Lord for what he's gonna do and how it's gonna turn out good for us. Can I let y'all in on a little fine print of the Christian journey? Everybody look at me. Life's not always gonna turn out good for you. Life's not always gonna be easy for you. You know, there's gonna be sometimes you pray for things that don't come through like you thought they would. See, 100% with the Lord means, next little blank, we love him with no strings attached. We love his love for us, no strings attached, but do I love him back, no strings attached? Or I love you if you give me this job, or I love you if my kids turn out this way, or I love you if I get a raise, or I love you if I get that new car, or I love you if this bonus comes through, or I love you if, well, I mean, you could, I mean, it's been, depending on my season of life, I've changed the, the caveat with the Lord, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, King, even if you throw us in and the Lord doesn't come through, we're not changing our minds. Now, we would think the great end of that story would be that the king would go, wow, this is incredible that I'm not throwing you in. No, he threw him in. In fact, he turned it up hotter. It's so hot, he burned the guys up throwing them in. And a whole nation was changed because of the faith of three. You remember he looked in the fire and he said, there's not three of them, there's four of them. One as if he's the son of God because sometimes Our faith is only seen in the test of the fire. That's what it means to be 100% in. See, we live in a world that rewards the 60, but we never see what 100 could be. The final story, and I love this story, is Jesus and the rich young ruler. This kid comes to him and said, I want to inherit eternal life. And Jesus asked him, what should I do? And he goes through all the the list of the right answers. How many of y'all, when you were growing up, you didn't have an option on Sunday mornings about whether you got to go to church or not? Raise your hand. You know, they used to say, I had a drug problem. I was drug on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, right? So my, my mother never asked me how I felt. She never asked me if I wanted to go. It was, 
just, you're going to get up, get your fanny dress, or get your whipping, all right? And so that's the way it works. So I knew all the answers. Well, this kid knew all the answers. He knew all the right things to say. But Jesus knew there was something for him that was holding him back from the 100%. So when we read what we're gonna read out of the story, it may not be this for you. It's probably something else. Look at the story in Luke 18. The man replied, I've carefully obeyed all these commandments since I was young. I've checked all the boxes. And when Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture, Scripture says he went away sad because he couldn't do it. He loved his stuff more than he loved following the Lord. Loving God with all of me means there's no doors locked. There's no doors locked. So 2018 was a big year for us in the Lynch house. We had a home in West Cobb that we raised our kids in. They went through every day of elementary, every day of middle school, every day of high school. That house saw a stinking lot of drama during those years, all right? And so they saw a lot of tears, saw a lot of laughter, saw a lot of arguments, saw a lot of stuff, right? But we made the decision, kids are both out of high school, they're off in college, Casey graduated, I think, by this point, and we made the decision to sell that home. And I remember going to closing, and I'm very sentimental, all right? And so I got some tears working in the, in the parking lot. We're getting ready to go in because, I mean, this house was, we hosted, Nick was in a college Bible study in that basement where we would have 60 to 70 college kids coming at free food is an amazing thing, all right? And so they're all piling in. And when I have memories, and we had six or seven couples meet, Mike and Daniel Lindemann met in that basement, all right, they were in that college ministry, poor Danielle. But anyway, so that, that happened in that basement. And so we're leaving this. And I remember going in, and I remember after we signed the contract, we slid all of the keys across the table. The garage door openers, all the stuff. Why? They didn't buy some of the house. They bought what? All the house. You know, there was one part of that house I remember when we were moving, I didn't want to fool with, and that's Ann's Christmas tree farm, all right? And so we got one room downstairs that hold, held all the Christmas trees, and they were packed in there. If I could have just kept a basement key, and we moved in August, if I could have just come back in December, it would have just been so much easier. But when you sell something, you don't sell some of it, you sell what? All of it. You give up all the keys. There is no owner's clause that I get to go back to. But yeah, that's what we do with the Lord, isn't it? We give him a piece of us, but not all of us. A month or two ago, I had a gentleman on my podcast that I grew up watching on television. His name is Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry was rookie of the year, four-time world champion. But Daryl Strawberry found himself in a place in life where God didn't want one of his keys. 
He wanted all of his keys. I want you to check this out, would you? You know, it's so funny. People look at your life and they, they watch you on ESPN or they watch you uh, play for the Mets or the Yankees or the Giants or the Dodgers, and everything looked great. But yet, you're saying off the field, there was an emptiness that was... In, let me ask you this way. Did the emptiness, emptiness get smaller or bigger as you got older? What would you say? I think... I think the emptiness got bigger as I got older, you know, because I was achieving so many great things from a, you know, athletic standpoint, but I wasn't achieving from a man standpoint. I think a lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, because you're, you're successful, you're winning trophies, you're, you're all-star games, you're rookie of the year, all these different things. They think, well, you should be totally happy. But what they don't understand is that all that stuff can't fill the empty void on the inside. The empty void on the inside of all of us was created by God in, in a place where only for God. And I think that's what happens to a lot of us when we achieve a lot of things is, is look what I've done. But at the end of the day, when you go back home and still that empty void that God created for him to fit in on the inside of us is still empty until he pours into our life. And I think that's what I was experiencing throughout my entire career. Why was I never happy? I was I was, you know, happy the fact that I was playing baseball, winning, and it was part of great teams and everything. You celebrate that for a moment, but then after it's over with, you take the uniform off, who are you? And I think that's a big problem in, in a lot of, you know, famous people life. You know, who am I after I take the uniform off? Who really likes me? Who really cares about me? Who really knows me? Why did meeting Christ, Daryl, help you become something a game and the accolades couldn't help you become? Because what happened was coming to Christ, Christ uh, filled those empty voids on the inside. Everything that we look for, we try to fill it with so many other things, more money, a bigger home, more cars, all that plays out. All that, all that doesn't last for just a hot second. And then what, you're still back to the same. And meeting Christ, you know, was a, a game changer for me when I finally met Christ. Like if people say, did, uh, how did you find God? I, God was never lost. I was lost. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the point that we have to understand. He's not lost. He's still there. He's still sitting on, on the throne waiting for you to come and surrender yourself. But finding Christ was just, you know, everything that I have been looking for uh, that was missing on the inside of me. The joy, the peace, the strength, the power, the knowledge. I mean, it was far greater than I could ever imagine that he had for me. And I think it's sometimes people don't understand the relationship that you go into when you have a relationship with the uh, living God is it, totally different than anything else. And when I experienced the relationship with him, it was the peace that I was looking for. He gives you that peace that surpasses all understanding right. that you don't even understand. He gives you the wisdom and the knowledge that you don't even understand, but it, it comes to you in such a way when you come into that personal relationship, now you understand why you were created. You don't be in I think we all want to know why we're created. We just don't want to be here. A lot of people come through here and they just pass through here and they miss the boat, you know, of, of, of coming and having a personal relationship with Christ. And then you can fulfill the promises that's over your life. The promises over our life is not sports. 
You know, I take too many people think that is. That's not the promise. That's the ability that you have been given to play sport. But the promises of our life is far greater than we can ever imagine. And when you start entering into a relationship and picking up the Bible, like the Bible said, uh, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. There's no knowledge and understanding of who God is. That's why we perish as people. And that's why I was perishing because I had no knowledge of who God was. And it wasn't until I started the reading the Bible and saturating myself and, and staying in the word and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me the word of God so I can operate in the purpose that I was created. You made a statement earlier and I thought it was so powerful. And the statement was, you were talking about being a player and, and uh, everybody wants something from you. You don't really know who to trust. I think every professional athlete would tell people you don't know who you can trust. And, and do they want me for me or do they want me for something else? What did Jesus ultimately want from Daryl Strawberry? What, what could you bring him that he needed? What would you say? Nothing. <laughs> There's nothing you can bring him that he needed. All he want for you is to be free. Mm, mm. That is as it, plain as simple. Ooh, you know, that's strong right there, buddy. It is strong, you know, Mike, because I think people don't understand that he wants you to be free on the inside. He wants you to be liberated. He wants you to be redeemed. He wants you to be whole. You know, he wants you to be just like he is, you know, walk in holiness and righteousness. And, and you can when you enter in with him. You can't without him. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what everybody don't understand. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much fame you have. If you don't have Jesus, you're still a sinner that needs to save you. That's right. And he's the only one that can save you. He's the only one with no sin in him. The rest of us are all sinners saved by grace. And he is holy and righteous. And he is the one that comes and cleanses you with his blood. His blood brings you to whole, uh, his blood is, it brings you to a wholeness mm. and a different place and a different understanding of who you are. And then you no longer have to be the person you was in the flesh because now you operate in the spirit, just like him. So I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a little uh, behind the scenes there. I fully have prepped for the baseball part of Daryl Strawberry. He would not talk about baseball. All he wanted to talk about was Jesus. Really interesting. I kept trying to, doesn't say a lot about my spirituality, but anyways, uh, I kept trying to stir it back. Oh, I remember the time. He just wanted to talk about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus got all the keys of his life. 19 years ago, at his lowest, which is his new book talks about, when he had nothing, Jesus took all the keys. Whole, free. I think in our minds, when I hold back something from the Lord, I'm winning. And the reality is we'll look in the rearview mirror and go, that's when you weren't winning. When you're winning is when you say, you got all of me. He said, Mike, I, in fact, in the, in the interview, he talked about two of his teammates. He said, I remember watching their lives, Gary Carter and Mookie Wilson, and I couldn't figure out what was different about them. What was different about them was they knew Jesus. He said, they looked so free and at peace and happy. You know, surrender. 
spiritual journey always begins with surrender. One time. But then you know what you learn? Then you got to surrender every day. I do really good on Sundays. Sometimes on Mondays, I don't do as well. And I got to guess, Lord, I'm all yours. I don't know how you walked in today. I don't know how you tuned in today. But I know this. He's got something for you better than you could ever dream. Not at 60%, but at 100%. Would you pray with me? God, I remember times in my journey sitting at a camp, sitting alone. Nobody was there to watch but me and you when I kept having to turn back over the keys of my life. But even if he doesn't moments, surrender. Maybe you're sitting in the sound of my voice this morning in one of our rooms and you're watching online and you, you're saying, Mike, I, I, uh, I've never met Jesus. I've never experienced that freedom that Daryl talked about. But I want to. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him today? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I do believe you live for me. And I do believe you died for me. And I do believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior. I give you my keys today. Welcome home. It's the first step, but the greatest step you'll ever make. Today, if you're in one of our rooms, you can go to northstarchurch.org slash next. Give us your information. They've got gifts for you on the way out. We'd love for you to grab to help you in that journey. If you're watching online, you can let your chat host know, I accepted Jesus. You can just write Jesus, and they'll know what it means, and they'll point you the right direction with information. Maybe, though, God's got 60% of you. Sometimes 80, never 100. That means I gotta give up some of me to have all he is. And maybe today was the day that tap came on your shoulder, going, do you know how much more I have for you. Why don't you just take a minute or so where you are and just say, Jesus, you get all my keys. You can have all of me. Father, today, thanks for meeting with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.